morning, everybody. Morning. Seems like everyone has been to India. Uh, I've just been at Otaki Beach. That's about it. Uh, hey, my name is Pastor Wes, if you don't know who I am. Uh, I've actually been a part of uh, the Connect Church community for most of my life. Now, we had a small break of about 15 years, my wife Caroline, and then our two small kids moved to Nelson to uh, lead a church there. And uh, we've been back about two or nearly two years uh, loving being back uh, on the coast and being, being with you all. Uh, it'll be great to have pastors Adam and Lita uh, here uh, again next, uh, next Sunday. But um, I have the privilege of bringing the word uh, this morning with you, so I pray that it will be uh, hope-filling and encouraging to you, maybe even a, a little bit challenging, uh, if, that's, if that's so uh, okay. And uh, part, of, part of my role, I work for an organization called Sports Chaplaincy New Zealand. And part of that role is to remind uh, the church uh, about how deeply interested the Holy Spirit is in gracing you and uh, empowering you and anointing uh, you to make a difference, to make a meaningful difference in the lives of people who live outside of this wonderful faith community. And so I just want to remind you again of, of that today, of what that might look like uh, for you and I as we launch out into uh, to the year. I know it's, it's, it's February already, but it still kind of feels like we're warming up. We're getting, we're getting ready uh, to, to head into the year. So, hey, if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 24, the gospel uh, of, of Luke, and it'll come up on the screens as well. And I've entitled this message, Seven Miles in Someone Else's Shoes. Seven miles in someone else's shoes. That'll make a whole lot of sense in, uh, in just a little bit. And I want to read a, what is a very interesting uh, account that's recorded in Luke 24, on the morning of the resurrection of, of Jesus, where we read Jesus takes the seven-mile walk with two Jewish men, two of the wider group of disciples of Jesus who are somehow unaware of who it is that is walking with them. And so we pick this up in verse 13 of, uh, of Luke 24, I'm reading from the NIV version, and it says this, now that same day, the day of the resurrection, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But it says this in verse 16, but they were kept from recognizing him. I think that Jesus probably had one of those fake mustaches and glasses on, like, oh, they won't see me. Maybe not. But verse 17, it says, and he asked them, Jesus asks them, hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas asked Jesus, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And I love the response of Jesus. Verse 19, he says, what things? As if he didn't know what had been, what had been going on. 
about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then these two men, they go on to explain to Jesus all about himself about how they had hoped that he'd come to redeem Israel, but, but he'd been crucified. And now the tomb that was supposed to be holding his body was empty. There was no one there. And they didn't know what on earth was going on. And yet the one they were looking for, searching for, was standing right in front of them. Let's jump over to verse 28 for time's sake. It continues on this this seven-mile journey, and it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. In verse 31, it says this, then... Then, finally, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They saw that it was Jesus and he disappeared from their sight. Just vanished. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I want to talk to you today about walking out our faith with others. Others who perhaps like these two men in the story may be in distress. They, they may be struggling with life or they may just be simply unaware of who Jesus is, of how, how good he is, how much he loves them and gave his life for them and, and how he, God, calls each one of us today to represent him well in the world outside these walls, your worlds the spaces, the places where God has you beyond this time, this, this gathering. One of the strangest things that has ever happened to me, well, one, probably one of the strangest things, it involved my, my feet and a, a pair of shoes. I, I wasn't walking, but I was on an airplane, and it was a number of years ago. This is a really odd story, and I was on a flight returning to New Zealand. It may have even been from India, just to include myself and what's going on here. But anyway, it was the, the middle of the night. Uh, actually, it wasn't from India because my wife was with me. It was many, many hours into the flight. And I was in the center, center uh, row of three seats. Caroline was to my right. And there was a person I'd never met before sitting next to me on my left. And Everyone was asleep, and I'd woken up needing to go to the bathroom. And it's really awkward when you're stuck in between people. You're going to have to climb over them or wake them up, disturb, disturb their sleep. And so I took off the blanket that, that uh, I was sitting under, and I looked down at my feet, and I was surprised by the strangest thing. Because on my feet were an enormous pair of bright blue Crocs. And uh, I don't think I need to explain to anyone today what Crocs are because they're 
they are pretty fashionable. But this was long before I had ever seen anyone wearing Crocs, let alone myself. And listen, what was really surprising and, and really confusing and certainly a little odd was that I did not own a pair of blue Crocs. In fact, I don't own a pair of Crocs of any color, let alone blue. But, but yet somehow here I was sitting on a plane with a pair of on my feet, about five sizes too large. They were huge. They were enormous, and I have no recollection of putting them on or, or even where they had, had come from. And so I wake up, Caroline, I point at my feet, and I say to her, hey, I, I don't know how, and I don't know where, but look, I'm wearing a huge pair of blue Crocs. And we both started giggling, and you know, when you're trying to be quiet, but you're giggling, and then the, the giggles kind of, you know, begin to start crying. We're, we're laughing so much, and our noise wakes up, this man I'd never met before beside me, and I said to him, look, I'm sorry, but maybe somehow, am I wearing your shoes? And he looks at my feet, and he says, they're not mine. And, and then he begins to giggle too. And we are laughing. I don't know what's going on. Well, I get up. I, listen, I never found out. I never found out whose they were or where they'd come from. I just woke up wearing someone else's humongous blue Crocs. Really odd. It's kind of where the story ends. I, I left them in the aisle and just hoped that someone would find them again. Well, some months later, I, I'm, uh, I'm retelling this story to to someone in, in my church, and, and they commented to me, uh, perhaps prophetically, they thought, well, hey, Wes, maybe God was wanting to put you into bigger shoes, right? He's wanting to give you a greater greater influence. And, and I thought, well, that's a cool picture. I, I like that. I'll, I'll, I'll receive that. Thank you. And, and, and then a few years after that, which is really interesting, without remembering the story, I end up taking on this role as a chaplain for a professional basketball team, the Nelson Giants. You get this, their team color is bright blue, just like that pair of Crocs, and whose feet are all absolutely gigantic. I think we have a, a photo uh, of that coming up on the screens uh, of, of, their, of their feet next, next to mine, if it's there. If it isn't, that, that's fine. And then fast forward another couple of years, I'm now the chaplain for another basketball team, the Wellington Saints, who... Their color is also blue, and now the entire team own a pair of, uh, of, of Crocs. It's just a, it's a strange, a very strange uh, story. There's, uh, th those shoes are the biggest shoes I can find, and I can actually keep wearing my shoes and put them inside uh, one of their sneakers. Their feet are so, so large. Isn't that strange? Just a, a peculiar story. Well, this morning, I, I wonder, and I do, I wonder what shoes God is wanting to put on you, or put your feet inside, or put you alongside. What, what feet is He wanting to put you alongside this year? What shoes might He be wanting you to, to fill? Why don't you take a look down at your own feet right now? There's some nice sneakers that I can see. I'm not going to ask you to do a shoe swap, don't worry. But maybe look, look at the feet of the person next to you. I wonder, guys, I wonder what he's wanting to take those feet of yours, where he is wanting to take them this year. 
what shoes he's wanting you to, to, to slip on, what places he wants to send you with these shoes of, of yours. Maybe, maybe alongside someone who's overwhelmed with life, who's struggling in some way, or alongside people who simply do not know who Jesus is. I mean, he, Jesus could walk up beside them and they wouldn't ever even recognize him. I wonder what journeys in 2024, am I, is it right? Yes. Whew. May he be wanting to call each one of us on and walk with, with others on. I, I believe that God is very interested in having us walk alongside others in love and represent him well. In Ephesians 6, as part of the armor of God that we've each as believers been given to wear, the the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. It says we've, we have our feet fitted with the readiness of, of the gospel, the gospel of peace. In other words, this gospel message that, that we carry on, on the inside, it's kind of like we, we wear it, we, we put, it, put it on. It's fitted like shoes, which are designed, of course, to move, to go, to, to, to have momentum, to release peace to those who are around us. Jesus said in, in John 20, 21, peace be be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I'm, I'm sending you. God is a sending God. He sent his son Jesus into the world. And guess what? He sends us into the world in a similar way. The problem is sometimes, I don't know if it's your problem, but it's certainly my problem when it comes to the people that that Jesus wants me to, to reach is, is I want people to come into my world, to come to where I am. I, I, I want them to come to me. But listen, God is, is wanting to send us to them. He's telling us to go into their world. We want people to come to us, even to, to come in here. But Jesus is saying, I want you to go out there to go into all of the world and, and make disciples. And so we go out into the world, into our, our worlds, our, our spaces, so that Jesus can bring them into his world, into his domain, his, his kingdom. And we do that in many, many ways, many practical ways, many loving ways, many supporting ways. We do that primarily with our vocations. It's not just a job, friends. It's a calling. You are on mission. We are all missionaries. We are all ministers of reconciliation. It's not just a thing you do from nine to five. God is calling you to have influence in those spaces. We do, that, we do that with our community involvement, with our recreation. But I believe, and I've said this before, His empowering grace, the stuff we love about the Holy Spirit will be on you no more so this year than when you are going, than when you understand you are being sent on mission in spaces and places beyond these walls, walking with others, serving others, embodying Christ in a world that he so desperately loves and wants so desperately for them to know who he is. God's spirit is 
on you, upon you. Not just so that we can have a wonderful time in here. And wasn't it, and isn't it wonderful? But it's not just for that, but he's on you for those outside of those, these, these walls. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you because he has anointed you. Yes, why? To proclaim good news to the poor. To bring freedom to prisoners. To set the oppressed free. He's upon us for others. For those outside this space, for those yet to hear and experience the goodness of God. And as we read this, this passage in, in Luke 24 about the seven mile journey that, that Jesus took with these two men, there are some observations that, that I noticed that I think can help us as we, as we get ready this year to slip on our crocs and head out of this place. And, uh, and in, into, into, our, into our worlds. I want to take a look at four things today as we read this passage. Just a, cu- a couple of, a few quick observations. Number one, as we read this passage, we see from verse 13 that the two men were walking away from Jerusalem. Just a little, little insight there. It says these two men were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem in the New Testament is like the center of what we know as uh, Jesus' ministry. And in many ways, it symbolizes the focal point of Christianity. It's where it was birthed. It's sort of the the launch point. But what's interesting is we see that these two men were walking away from Jerusalem, not toward it. In other words, they they were leaving. And my point this morning is this, that the people that Jesus is gracing you to reach the ones that he is so desperately wanting to send you to are not necessarily walking toward God. Many, in fact, are going in the opposite direction. And it's sad, but the church for many is the last place on earth they're thinking about or even interested in. And yet we know that it's God's will that none should perish, that all would come to repentance. And if, if, if Jesus is not on their radar, but we know that they are on his, how will they be reached? If they are walking away from, from God, we cannot just wait and hope and expect that somehow people are going to just magically walk into our worlds, into our spaces, even into our churches. Now, it, it does happen, of course, and please don't stop inviting people into your world. But we have to, we have to understand that a lot of people in our community are heading away from, not toward our church. And if we want them to experience Jesus, we are going to have to meet them on the road where they are. And it's precisely what Jesus did. My second point, number two, is that Jesus walked with them. He he walked with them. They were walking away, and Jesus walked with them. Verse 15, it says, as they were on their way, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them. And that right there, just that, that verse, verse 15, is a powerful picture 
of a life on mission, walking alongside people on their journey where they are, where they live, where they are doing things, walking with them in their world. It says in verse 17, Jesus asks them, hey, what are you discussing together as you walk along today? What's, what's going on in your life, in other words? What's, what's happening in your world? What's causing you so much grief? He, he asked questions and he listened to what they had to say. Listen, even though he was literally the answer, even though Jesus was everything they needed to know about, he walked, it says, seven miles before he even let them know who he was. I did the math, like the metric conversion, seven miles, that's 11.62 kilometers. It's like walking out these doors to Tihoro, to the, to the Milne's house, approximately about 11 or 12 kilometers, walking, listening, and talking, hearing the story, walking with people. And the challenge for us today is, are we able to do that, to, to listen, to learn, to, to journey and to be present and to love people where they are and where they're at? It's that, that classic phrase that people don't care how much you know, they just want to know how much you care. Would we be a church that cares for those who are walking away from God? Are we willing to spend the time and to give of ourselves, to build relationship, to show people that we genuinely care? It was at the end of the seven-mile walk that these two men, they turned to Jesus. They're still unaware of who he was. And it says in verse 29, and it's point number three, it says that they urged him strongly to stay. They urged him to stay with them. There, there was something about the engagement, his engagement in their world, the, the investment that he made, that they begged him to stay, to join them for, for, for dinner, to, to, stay, to stay the night. Now, I'm not saying we have to be friends with the world. You know, Jesus, this is the tension of Scripture sometimes in John 15. Jesus says about being hated by the world because we love God. But listen, rather than stand on the sidelines of society and scrutinize and shake our heads in disdain about what's going on in there, listen, God is calling us to get into those spaces and places and fill them with His glory. And when we do, we get invited to stay. We get invited to dine. We get invited to sit at tables of influence and present to people another way of living, a better way a more hope-filled way. Because what I've found is the Jesus in you will rub off on people. The Jesus in you will rub The Holy Spirit is, is dying to get out. Someone once said, everybody wants a king like Jesus, and if we represent him well, they'll want his body too. In other words, they'll love the church as well. There'll be something attractive, something compelling there is about the message that we carry. And lastly, from this, this account, and I'll begin to slowly wrap this up, is the moment that after Jesus stays with them in verse 31, it's point number four. It says, 
then their eyes were opened. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. The Bible says that the God of this age has blinded those who do not believe. 2 Corinthians 4.4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Because when it's all said and done, it's Jesus, right, that we want people to see. It's, it's Jesus we want to point people to. It's not us, it's not how good we might be, but it's Jesus and how, how good he is. But listen, we've got to know there are scales, there are spiritual scales. There is a kind of blindness that stops people from seeing, stops people from hearing, from experiencing this, this the light of the gospel. Friends, one of the ways we can do that is the challenge. Would we present Jesus in such a way through our life that by our willingness to go out, to, to be sent ones, to walk with, to stand alongside, to pray with, to love, to, to uphold, that, that their eyes, the eyes of their heart would be opened up, that the scales would fall off and that they would see the light of the gospel that we carry, that glorious light that displays His love. Would our examples of Jesus begin to break down the walls, the scales, His glory in us, that hope would shine out so that this happens? And I, I'd love, I love, it's one of my favorite verses from the Bible. Maybe the band, band could come. Verse 32. And I'll begin to wrap this up. It says this, from these two men, when Jesus had left, these four words, didn't our hearts burn? Didn't, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on that road? Wow. Would our lives, while we walk on that road with others, as we take our own seven-mile missions, as we take that 11.62 kilometers, as we discover the places of, of influence that the, the Holy Spirit is calling us to occupy, calling us to take strolls and call, calling us to sit, sit in, would our example and love cause their hearts to burn for something more? Or more importantly, for someone more to burn for Jesus. I want to just briefly pray for us. Father, I, I pray for Connect Church. I pray, I thank you, God, for the, the call, the gracing that you've placed on each one of us here in this, this place. And those from the whanau who are watching this, God, I thank you for that call. I thank you for the influence. And we thank you for your spirit upon us. When we leave this place, God, you don't leave us. We thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you're near today around us. Thank you, God, that you go with us in our weeks. Remind us this year of who we are because of who you are. Help us, Jesus to represent you well, to remember every day when we get up, 
this mission life that you've called us to, to the many, many people far away from you, not even thinking about you. Remind us that, Lord, they are on your mind and they are in your heart and you love them desperately. And just maybe we will be the ones you're called to present your love to them. I pray the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on us, God, to be able to effectively do that. In Jesus, in Jesus' name. Hey, this morning, maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're watching online, you have not recognized who Jesus is. Maybe today your heart is burning like we read about in the Gospel of Luke because Jesus is near. And Jesus' Spirit is here today. The truth is, Jesus did more than just a seven-mile walk for you, but He went to the extent of walking to the cross and giving His life for you. The Bible says that He, Christ, who had never sinned, became an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. And you can get right with Christ by receiving His love, allowing Him to transform your heart. Follow Him and pursue His ways. You can pray something like this. Even today, even now, Jesus, you can pray, I recognize you. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. Today, I turn my life, living my own way, and I invite you into this space, into my life with the help of the Holy Spirit. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Would you come in today and lead my life? Maybe that's you this morning. Encourage you to accept Christ. Even today at the back of the auditorium, I believe there's a handsome man carrying a Bible love to speak to you as a gift from us to you. Make yourself known to Him. Otherwise, why don't we all stand this morning? I want to pray a blessing over you as you head out. And as you do the stuff that God's called you to do, don't forget, you're called, you're on mission, you are ministers. Let's put our hands in a receiving place if you're comfortable. Thank you, Jesus. Will the Lord bless you and keep you? The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget there is a prayer team on my right, your left. Anything going on in your life that you want faith added to, people to lay hands on you and pray get breakthrough on. There's some amazing people to do that, that with you. Otherwise, have an amazing rest of your week. God bless.